everyone. It's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps chat. Got a very interesting chat lined up for today uh, with a great guest. Let me introduce him. We have today Mr. Mike Kazmarski of IBM. Mike, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thank you, Alan. Glad to be here. So, Mike, you have a CV resume full of, of, of accomplishments, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but why don't you just share with our audience kind of what you're doing now with IBM and a little bit of your background? All right. Be glad to. Um, uh, well, my title is IBM Fellow, CTO of DevOps and Service Management in, in a unit inside IBM called Hybrid, uh, hybrid Management, Hybrid Cloud Management. Um, I, I've been with IBM, well, in February, it'll be 35 years. Um, it did a lot of work in the storage portfolio, a lot of the Spectrum products, Spectrum Protect, Spectrum um, Control. Um, I came into a business unit that was called Tivoli at the time, became very familiar with all of the service and systems management products, um, and then into products like Maximo and, uh, and others that uh, we acquired or built out organically, um, and then became involved in a lot of the cloud technology, IBM Cloud, and now I'm working very hard on uh, DevOps technology and service management t technology in a new offering that we have out called IBM Cloud Private. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And we're going to try to get to as many of these as we can, Mike. Um, but, you know, in order to do that, I think we need to lay down a little sort of baseline, if you will. And how I wanted to do it was, you know, let's talk about really what I think is one of the primary drivers behind the whole private, uh, excuse me, the whole hybrid cloud uh, transition that we see. And that is that, you know, traditional applications, you know, if we could, everyone would just like to move everything to the cloud, perhaps make it easy and be done. But that's not the way the world works, right? Um, you know, customers are beginning that migration, but that migration will probably take, Mike, you said you were with IBM 35 years. I've been around a while myself. We'll be long gone by the time that migration is over, I, I suspect. Uh, you know, so in the meantime, customers are faced with sort of this hybrid period where, you know, some of the applications and some of the application infrastructure may still be on-prem, may still be maybe a private cloud on-prem, maybe on a public cloud, maybe on a private cloud in a data center, you know, truly a multi-cloud and hybrid environment. Is that what you get? What's that what, you know, you're seeing at IBM? Uh, certainly what I'm seeing. If you consider things like uh, the importance of customer data, uh, data sovereignty, uh, customers' concerns over security, uh, proper connectivity, um, all, uh, all those need to be addressed and customers' businesses are running on their IT and they're comfortable at different stages with different aspects of those things being on the cloud, whether public or dedicated. And they often find something like private cloud is a wonderful way to get started on understanding what uh, operational um, architecture, programming changes, and uh, even organizational changes they need to make to best uh, start to utilize the cloud, whether they take all those capabilities to public or dedicated cloud or not, the private cloud helps them. No doubt about it. And and so, Mike, when we talk about, you know, they may be IBM customers, but when we talk about organizations 
transforming, you know, their traditional, and by traditional, I mean non-cloud, they're not cloud native apps, and trying to migrate them to the cloud. You know, I think you highlighted some of the things that we uh, run into, but anything else that, you know, I think listeners may be interested in, in, in or at least gotchas that they should be looking for in, in transforming these apps and, and trying to move them to the cloud? Yeah, well, I think there's three patterns that you that, that we see uh, pervasively. The ones you hear a lot about are those uh, customers who are building out new cloud services, uh, new cloud native programming models, and um, extending their business into the cloud using some of these new uh, microservice oriented programming models, polyglot technologies, and perhaps um, connecting them to their enterprise from the cloud, hence the hybrid sense. Uh, through APIs and API management so they can take advantage of their back office systems and the data and expose other application pieces on the cloud. There's a few other patterns. Uh, We see customers who have applications that uh, would fairly easily uh, be optimized by cloud technology, such as container technologies for rapid deployment, uh, rapid scale out, resiliency, there are applications that can can be, we call it, lifted and shifted fairly easily. Um, and then there's a, a whole area of applications that are built out in monolithic fashion that have very tight interdependencies uh, that have been around for years and years. And customers are making decisions on what they do with those applications. And it kind of depends on how much those applications are changing how critical they are to the business. I don't want to touch it. It's not changed in years. It's doing its job. That might be some of their criteria. On other hands, parts of those applications might be changing fairly rapidly. And if that's the case, then they start looking at um, refactoring or factoring out the portion of application code that is changing fairly rapidly into, say, microservices and placing those in the cloud. So I think there's a number of approaches that they're taking. Um, and obviously, it, you know, it's a, it's a business issue. Um, what makes sense for me to refactor? What, is, what am I going to gain by the refactoring of these applications and putting them in the cloud? How am I going to lower operational costs? How is DevOps going to help me? Um, and, and what kind of return am I going to get from that versus continuing to do what I do or even leaving some of my monolithic applications alone? So I think, you know, there's a broad range of considerations that customers have when they look at moving their applications to the cloud. Hopefully I've kind of listed a few there. Absolutely. So, Mike, you know, this is all, it's all happening, and I I think we've kind of described it well. But now, so IBM's recently come out with this cloud private, as they're calling it. And I, I, you know, frankly, I think there might be a little uh, misunderstanding in the market where, hey, you're talking about hybrid cloud, but now why are you doing cloud private, right? Is it private cloud? Is it hybrid cloud? Cloud private? Where does that fit in? Can you can you help clear it up for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, IBM Cloud Private is an on-premise cloud offering based on Kubernetes technology optimized by some of our systems group. Um, it does run and allow you to deploy you know, private clouds, what I'll call on-premise clouds, on Intel, on Power, on Z Linux. Uh, so you can take advantage of uh, the systems you might already have deployed. 
but it has full connectivity to any services and uh, cloud services that are running in the cloud public or dedicated cloud. It's a way for customers to start to uh, either write new microservices or write new capabilities um, or refactor, as I mentioned, some of their applications um, into a cloud that is running on-premise, allow them to experiment without concerns um, of you know, data, data privacy, data governance, uh, data sovereignty, um, and allow them to figure out what's the best approach that they, uh, that they want to take for refactoring their applications or moving them to the cloud. Uh, it is Kubernetes based. It's based on the same technology that runs in our public cloud and what we call the container services. So much of the workloads that can run in the private cloud, if the customer chooses, uh, can be you know transparently moved to uh, the public cloud um, or a dedicated cloud for them. Uh, the Kubernetes technology overall, the Docker containerization, everything's running in in Docker. Um, they're fairly pervasive, um, you know, in the industry. So it does give the customer choice. I think it gives them a foundation that they can start with. Uh, they can move workloads that they're most comfortable keeping them on-prem, on-prem, and then they can start to extend those workloads, uh, you know, to the public or dedicated clouds as well. You know, another big difference with IBM Cloud Private is we're moving our middleware, our traditional offerings, the likes of WebSphere and Message Queue and IIB and DB2 and the data science experience, traditional middleware that customers have running on-prem that they're writing their applications against um, are now available in IBM Cloud Private in containerized uh, versions, the same services, same APIs, um, a lot of the same capabilities. And so they can actually take advantage of the same middleware that they've been running with, um, now containerized in clouds so that they can take advantage of simpler deployment, uh, AB deployment, a simpler upgrade, resiliency, scale out, and so on. Um, so that's what I think we bring to the, the cloud private arena is the ability for customers to leverage the investment they have in our middleware or middleware services now in, uh, in a cloud uh, deliverable. Um, and that also makes it easier for them to, um, you know, to move their applications into a cloud, cloud architecture, whether it's on-prem and cloud private or in public in IBM cloud or a dedicated cloud in IBM cloud. You know what, Mike, that, that was fantastic. And I, it kind of made a light bulb go off for me here. What really, what cloud private is offering customers or anyone, you know, eventually I guess they're customers, but it's portability. It, it is giving you a cloud-ready infrastructure, infrastructure, whether that cloud be on-prem, at an IBM data center, maybe in a... a, a a public-private type of situation, hybrid situation or not. And not only is it allowing their, that infrastructure, you know, through containers and Kubernetes to be portable like that, you're now portabilizing, if that's a word, um, that whole layer of middleware that so many yeah. companies have been using for so long and making that also portable to you know, whatever or however, and in what combination you want to, you know, host your, your applications going forward. And yes, that, that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, that's a good description, yes. Yeah, and 
you know, I, I think, you know, Mike, it really goes to the heart of what we're seeing in technology today, which is the, and, and a lot of it is via Kubernetes, well, microservices and containerization, let's call it that. It's, yes. it's fundamentally shifting the IT infrastructure or the preferred IT infrastructure in a way that we haven't seen maybe since the when we moved from client server or maybe when virtualization and hypervisors first became sort of dominant or started really, you know, asserting influence in the market. This is really a, a shift of that magnitude. You agree? Yes, I do. And actually those are those are two um perfect storms that kind of come together, the virtualization and the and the client server. Um, I think containerization is is an interesting um, is an interesting supporting feature of microservices. It really allows a full stack deployment um, and, and actually changes some of the roles and responsibilities of what developers have traditionally done. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely on that. So let's this is DevOps chat though. Let's talk a little bit about DevOps. I always yeah. like to tell people that, hey, DevOps is an umbrella term today. It's it's more than just the breaking down of the silos between Dev and Ops, and it's obviously a cultural aspect to it. But you know, the thing about DevOps is it's about how things get done today. And so when we talk about things like microservices and containerization and cloud, right? I don't know if DevOps is a byproduct of those things or if DevOps is a precursor to the, or an accelerator to those things, but they seem intrinsically linked. What's your view on that? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are tightly linked. Um, I think DevOps enables uh, the kind of automation you really want to be able to understand how your applications um, are are being developed, um, are integrated, how they're performing, uh, whether or not you're ready to go into production with what you currently have, uh, whether or not you're really ready to support operationally the applications you already have, all of those things as early in the life cycle as possible. And, you know, when you talk about containerization and uh, microservices, uh, as, as compared to monolithic applications, uh, there's a lot more moving parts. There's many more moving parts in a microservice um, container uh, organization of your code. You know, you have business function decomposed into various different microservices. It's actually an organizational uh, construct as well as an architectural construct. You have teams around those microservices building them. They all have API contracts with each other on, on their behavior. And now they're deploying at different times into what should be a, a running system that's providing a service. At every point along that line, you want to understand, you want to be able to herd all of these microservice teams that are together building out the application in a consistent way and always know where you stand in terms of the application being built. By the way, the same applies to the monolithic apps because they undergo change if they're interacting with these cloud native apps and microservices. So you need to be able to automate uh, and make sure nobody breaks the builds. You need to be able to do continuous deployment. Um, of the microservices in, um, say, a test cluster or a cloud where they interact with each other. You want to vary uh, the versions that are out there to understand if the API contracts have been um, have been violated. 
you want to have a real good idea of the performance and scale of the microservices that are out there. And, and there's so many of them in a traditional application now, uh, manual tasks would, would never be able to keep up. So automation through DevOps um, in terms of build, deploy, the manageability, uh, the testing of the microservices um, is paramount in being able to scale uh, a, a true microservice architecture to a, a product that has reliability um, and, and can be easily updated and can actually iterate uh, very quickly to meet customers' needs. Absolutely. Mike, let me introduce another term into our uh, term goulash today, and that's uh, service management, right? So service management is something that has certainly been on the IT agenda, right, on the IT menu for for longer than the word DevOps has been used, right? Service yes. management is an important piece of it, right? And um, there's been somewhat, frankly, of a disconnect on the on the nexus or connection of DevOps and service ma- management. Are they compatible? Are they do they work together? Is there a continuum with them? What's your view? I mean, you you have both under your you know portfolio here. What what's your view on that? Well, I think that uh, integration of DevOps into ops, if you will, uh, relative to DevOps I just talked about in terms of automating, you know, build, deployment, test. Um, integration into ops is more about making sure you can monitor the application, making sure that if there are outages, you have procedures or runbooks that can quickly bring things back, supporting things like site reliability engineers, understanding who is going to be notified if there's a problem with a particular service, all of those kinds of things push back operational characteristics on the DevOps and even the development team. You know, as our teams were building out IBM Cloud, um, a lot of the services in IBM Cloud are, are managed by, developed by individual squads. So a logging service or a particular database service or whatever we make available in that cloud there's a squad behind it. Obviously, they develop it. They go through regular DevOps deployment and testing. They determine when it goes into production. A lot of times, based on analytics from a lot of the automation that they have, when it goes into production, they're immediately also responsible for the ongoing operation of those services. This is the development team. They're now responsible for the ongoing operation of those services. Now, they have site reliability engineers as well. But if you take some development teams and make them responsible for the operational characteristics of their services, a lot of interesting things start to happen. You start seeing um, development not around the application itself, but also around, oh, hey, I have some Selenium scripts that I'm going to use to automatically monitor response time of the application. This needs to get deployed with the code. Oh, I have some runbooks for the SREs or automated scripts that should certain events show up will automatically restart or scale out services appropriately. You start seeing operational artifacts as part of the development of the particular microservices or applications that are being built. And of course, uh, as that starts to occur, you start seeing standards for handoff of these kind of artifacts between DevOps and operations teams so that not only are they deploying an application, they're deploying the management around that application and they're ready to go when that application goes production. So I think that's the biggest um, cultural change I'm seeing with DevOps going into ops is really integrating the management 
um, capabilities and intelligence into the application and the awareness that now the developer and the DevOps team have in providing what is needed to, to properly, you know, manage the application and operations. Mike, that was one of the best answers to this, that particular subject that I've heard. Thank you very much for that. Um, unfortunately, Mike, as I told you before we started, the, the time here goes really, really fast. I promised you we'd be done in 15 minutes, and we're on 20 minutes already. Um, so I know we had a lot of other topics we wanted to cover. Maybe we'll have you back on at another time, and we could do a part two on this. But um, we're about out of time right now. Um, thank you so much for being our guest on DevOps Chat today, Mike. Well, thank you, Alan. I really enjoyed it. Not a problem at all. And as I said, I'd love to have you back on here soon. And, um, you know, we can continue the discussion. But before we go, anyone who wants to get more information on, on IBM Cloud Private, where can they go? Well, actually, uh, the easiest thing you can do is Google IBM Cloud Private. And there's a number of references um, out there and tools. There's a cloud reference architectures, developers, communities. If you want to engage with some, uh, with some in, uh, teaming with IBM on what's the best way to move some of your applications to the cloud, there's IBM Cloud Garage. And there's some wonderful blogs out there where developers will take you through how they actually move some of the applications to the cloud. So I would just uh, Google IBM Cloud private and uh, you should see in the first two um, the first two things that come up some really good references fantastic mike kazmarski ibm fellow and cto for ibm private cloud devops service management thanks so much for being our guest on this episode of devops chat um, to everyone listening hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you soon on another devops chat have a great day